0: Hi there, I'm Michelle Bunch, and this is Enthusiasm Diaries. Enthusiasm is contagious, and in this podcast, we get to share in the enthusiasm of others and perhaps spark some of our own curiosity along the way. Thanks so much for listening. So, I am here today with Becca Sandsmark. She is the founder of Coffee and Kindness which is a nonprofit that's working to break the stigma around people with developmental disabilities through employment opportunities. So thanks, Becca, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Well, I wonder just to start, can you share a little bit about your background and maybe what planted the seed for this nonprofit?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so I have a younger brother with Down syndrome. I always call him little, and uh, he's not little. He's going to turn <laughs> 27, so he's no longer like little, but, at all. Yeah. yeah. but to me, he's little. Um, it's just just the two of us. Um, and so that's kind of like the main stem of where this came from, obviously. We're super close, uh, especially since it is just the two of us, and we always yeah. have been. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we, we grew up in the mountains of Colorado. He still lives there with my family. He comes to visit me and my husband a lot here in Texas, uh, he? as often as we can make it happen. He's getting really good at flying by himself. So oh, that's, cool. that's been nice. Makes it easy for him to come, come see us. Um, so yeah, we, uh, grew up up in the mountains and, um, you know, uh, as, as early as I can remember, I feel like we were, I was volunteering with Special Olympics and things like that, uh, just to like be with him and do things with him that he enjoyed, um, be around his friends and things like that. And, uh,
0: Just to yeah. spend time, just to spend more time
1: with him, you mean? Yeah. Or? Just to like be- spend time with him and just do things that he enjoyed. And, um, he was always like a really big part of my friend group. Like, you know, that phase you go to, they're like, Oh, I don't want my brother-, brother to hang out with me or do the things I like did not have that. Like, I just wanted him to, like, be around all the time. So yeah. we we spent a lot of time together. And uh, I'm sure if you asked my parents, they were like, you had moments where you didn't want to be around him. <laughs> I'm sure they were there. But for the most part... More um, or less, yeah. Yeah. For the most part, we were just uh, spent a lot of time together growing up. and Because um,
0: what's, what's your age difference? Three years. Oh, three years. Yeah. Okay. So he's
1: three years younger than me. Um, I always... I mean, I probably... I know I babied him too much when we growing up, just like always wanted to like have him under my wing a little bit. Cause when I went to college, he like couldn't tie his shoes, all these things I left for college. My mom would call me all the time be like, he's like just doing stuff now that you're gone. (laughs) Like, I think you were just doing so much for him that he, he just like really developed when I left, I was like, (laughs) Oh no, he's going to need me so much. And really, (laughs) really, I had just been doing so much for him that, he started doing all these things he, we didn't know he lo
0: could do. And behold, do I, he was just doing right? it, yeah, just, yeah. just killing it.
1: So, yeah, that's just a little bit about my background.
0: For- yeah, and Stephen. So, what kind of things do you, if you can, kind of think back on growing up with Stephen? What did you sort of observe with how? I mean, he was obviously a part of your friend group, part of your you're doing so much with him. But did you observe things about how other people? Uh, like were people accepting of him? Were there, were there things you that stand out to you when you think back about that? Yeah, absolutely. And
1: ahead. actually I was just talking to somebody about this, um, recently where, I mean, Steven came into my life and he's a little brother and he's, to me was just so normal. Like mm-hmm. I knew he had a disability. I knew he had down syndrome it had all been explained to me, but he was just Steven to me. So mm-hmm. as I started to grow up and I did see people start to like point things out about him or say things. And usually it wasn't even mean. It was just like different. And it just all of a sudden became apparent to me that, oh, they see him this way when I just mm-hmm. see him like as my brother. And it, it did, especially, you know, middle school, early high school years where kids are like just mostly uncomfortable with mm-hmm. being around somebody with disabilities if they if they haven't yet. Um, and I did no friends that I like considered good friends after this, but I did start to separate the, oh, they kind of treat him in a way that I don't like him being treated. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just kind of like veered away from people like that completely and didn't have a lot of them in my life really long. Really. My good friends were awesome with him. Um, it was
0: like your litmus test, exactly.
1: especially for boyfriends. Oh my gosh. They weren't like all of, not even like nice to him, but like wanted to be around him. It was, it was a no go. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just think that like, it, yeah, just people, I wanted him to be so included that it, it, it just, there couldn't be a relationship with me if if you couldn't accept and like be around Steven all the time. And it, right. it was a natural, it was a natural thing. People just kind of weeded out of the picture easily. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was kind of a hard thing to kind of start realizing as I grew up that, People didn't see him the way I saw him, mm-hmm. which is probably, again, another seed planted for what Coffee and Kindness became. Um, that I just was like, you guys are missing out on so much by not. Yeah. Can
0: you tell us a little bit more about Steven?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, he is 27 years old. He is like a man's man, likes to do all boy stuff, sports, you know. It's funny. I say that. He is like a man's man. He wants to play sports and do all this stuff. But then he like loves Disney princesses, like is obsessed with like Hmm. Disney and all things Disney and Michael Jackson specifically. He's like all about Michael Jackson. But um, he works at Safeway up in Mm -hmm. the mountains, a little grocery store. He's bagged groceries there since I want to say six or seven years now. I know he has a a five-year star on his apron, so I know it's over five years. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he also, before COVID had happened, he was working at the middle school um, in the cafeteria, which he really enjoyed. Um, And that kind of like weeded out a little bit once COVID happened, and you know he just couldn't be in the school as often. So Mm -hmm. he's not doing that right now. Um, And then he uh, goes to a day program um, up in the mountains, so he spends some time with some friends there and uh, it's, it's, it's a great place, the mountains for him because he, it's a small community. He's learned to mm-hmm. he use the bus system. And I swear everybody in the entire County knows him. Like
0: You really? can go
1: anywhere and they're like, Oh my gosh, Steven, how are you? And most oh. of the time he doesn't even know their names. <laughs> you'll like leave the conversation and you'll be like, who was that? And he goes, I don't know. But he's, he's got, like a celebrity. A, thousands
0: of friends up there. <laughs> yeah.
1: So it's, it's oh, a wow. really good community for him really overall. There's, I say it's like a mix because there's not a lot of opportunities for people with developmental disability up there. There's just not very many of them, so there's not programs, there's not stuff for him to go to. But on the other hand, it's it's this community that has kind of built around him, and like mm. I feel like he's kind of protected up there. Everybody knows him, looking out yeah. for him. It's kind of a safe place for him. So
0: yeah. yeah, which is so great, and I'm glad he has that. And it also kind of just makes me wonder. I'm sure well, one, no, no two experiences with any disability, um, or down syndrome is the same, but probably just what that community support looks like for everyone is different. Yeah, um, absolutely. It, it, it's it
1: been really great. And he has some really, really close, um, family friends up there that are super helpful. And, uh, I feel like he just feels really comfortable there, you know, like he's yeah. super involved in church and, um, yeah, it's a good spot for him. But we do kind of wish there were more programs up there for him to go to. But uh, my family does drive him down to Denver, which is about an hour and a half away. And mm-hmm. uh, they go to a lot of like Global Down Syndrome Foundation events down there and oh, cool. dances. And he has a physical therapist that he sees down there because he loves to work out. It's like one of his He main, does. He loves it. it. Like once that kid owns something, if you, if you get him invested in something that he knows is like his own and he can own... It's game over. Like he's committed. So it took us a little while to be like, this is really good for you. Look at all the strength you're building. Um, but now that he like has kind of owned it and seen growth, he like working out is his thing. He does it every day. He knows his system. He likes to go to the gym on Sundays and work out
0: at home on the other days of the week. It's it's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Talk about a great, like healthy habit. (laughs) I know. Never. It sounds like not one to miss a day. <laughs> no.
1: Oh my gosh. The, the guy is so structured too, which is like, sometimes I'm jealous of that. He just is like, once something's in his routine, it's there and he loves it. So. Yeah.
0: Well, and I like, you had kind of alluded to this in passing when you were talking before, but then it sounds like you've kind of then gotten more involved in, you said, because you wanted to be doing what he was doing and more involved with St- special Olympics. And can you share more about that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the special Olympics thing, I'm like having even a hard time remembering
1: things. Like it just feels so long ago that I was like doing that. he still does it. He skis with the special Olympics in the winters and my dad coaches it. Um, and so I, I love to do that with him. I haven't in a couple of years gone skiing with him, but he has gotten really good at it, especially through the fitness stuff. He's gotten strong and done great with that. Um, but then kind of more so as I got into the ages where I could Work um, like 15 16, I started volunteering for summer camps that he would go to. So there's a east camp, Easter Seals is a big one, um, and there's one kind of between uh, Frisco and Denver. And He used to go that in summer, so I would go um, be a camp counselor for that, a certain wow. weeks, and then yeah, and then there was a, a summer camp, um, kind of like an all summer long day camp up in the mountains with Easter Seals, and so I started. Being a camp counselor for that in the summer, and eventually worked my way up to being like a, an assistant director there um and the more I like volunteered and did it with Steven, the more I just was like, "Wow, this is like the population I enjoy being with, whether Steven's there yeah. or not like I just genuinely enjoy it just
0: what did you know. like so much about it um
1: i think I think they're just genuine people like. Mm-hmm. I've, I have a mixed, I was thinking about this earlier, thinking about recording this. And I was like, what drew me at that age after I decided, okay, if Stephen's not there, I still want to be there. Um, and I think it was just like, I I felt really comfortable around people with developmental disabilities. And I felt like there was not a lot of people who did. And I mm-hmm. I think that genuineness is missing in this field a little bit. Like you're either like doing it for volunteer hours or people do mm-hmm. it for all kinds of different reasons. But that I watched come and go. Um, And I just was like, I genuinely had good friendships with a lot of those kids. And I um, just saw kind of a gap in the genuineness of that. So Mm. um, yeah, I think I I don't even know really exactly why I love it. I just like... (laughs)
0: just I mean, you kept doing it yeah. even when Stephen was gone which is mm-hmm. amazing did you learn things about yourself in that process do you think i mean i'm sure probably but oh yeah I'm, i
1: i mean i think it like shaped obviously shaped who i am as a person i always say that Stephen had so much to do with who i am today because mm-hmm. um yeah that's just just how it went but i uh like ingrained in you yeah it just like was ingrained and the more um the more I did it, the more I liked it, and I did. I did some nannying jobs for some um, younger kids with really pretty tough autism, um, and I think the other thing is I watched my mom um, not have like a super solid community around her. Right when Stephen was really little, I think there's like a lot of that with moms that get a diagnosis of their kid having. Down syndrome, autism, whatever it may be, um, it's it's kind of an isolating thing, especially when they're young. So I felt oh, like I just could be a support for family members. And um, so I I enjoyed that part of it too, is just kind of being there for the whole family. Cause we didn't find out that Stephen had Down syndrome until a few months after he was born. Um
0: okay. so
1: yeah. So it looked a little bit different than I mean, now it's you know, so easy to get the testing and it wasn't even right. that long ago. Right. I mean, 27 years ago doesn't seem that long ago. Um, she but just a didn't get any testing. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And I don't know how, when he was born, the doctors didn't see it. But I mean, after mm. a lot of nights of her going to the hospital, being like, there is something wrong. He's just like not breathing right and all these things. And she finally walked into a different hospital and the nurse was like, oh, that baby has Down syndrome. <laughs> and so yeah. I think there was like that big, um, kind of like a, A grieving period of that, like the the idea of who you thought your son would be Mm -hmm. to this new idea of who he he might be um, Mm -hmm. was a challenging thing. I do remember like I was still little. So to me, he was just Stephen. But I do remember my parents going through that grieving period. And there's like a whole a cute little uh, poem that we have on our wall that talks about like if you're planning a trip somewhere beautiful, like like you're I think it's called Welcome to Holland is the poem and mm. probably a lot of people know what I'm talking about, um, but it it's like, you're planning a trip to Holland and you're like, it's going to be so fun. You've read the books, you've heard about the food. It's like a big thing. You've planned it forever. You know exactly what to expect. And then you get off the airplane and you're somewhere else. Like who knows where else, like you're in yeah. Italy or you're somewhere else. It's still beautiful and incredible place, but it wasn't what you're expecting, Right. So you just kind of have to change the plan and it just takes some time to adjust to. So
0: adjustment. Yeah. 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 But it sounds like be knowing that, and again, your, your specific family experience of it, but knowing that, that it is something that, that, that adjustment, especially needing some support and you're sound like the perfect person to offer some of that with your experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you think, what do you think are some things that are maybe not well-known or misunderstood or or about people with developmental disabilities or specifically Down syndrome? Maybe that's easier question. Yeah. Um, that just from your work and your experience with Steven and, and others.
1: Yeah, um, I actually, well, I'll just speak on Down syndrome since that's what I feel like I know best. Right. That's, yeah. that's, um, but I think the biggest thing is, the lack of genuine friendships. Like I I feel like a lot of people in Steven's life, even though well-meaning, um, kind of look at him or or treat him as like, it's nice. It's nice of me to like be around him almost. It sounds terrible, but more of like a, like, um, trying to think of the best way to say this. Like it, he doesn't feel like he probably has a lot of people who really desire to be around him. And he's noticed that over the years. I think mm-hmm. uh, he did notice that people would come over and spend the night with me, or they'd invite me to parties, or they'd, um, you know, call me up on the weekends and come over. And And in that, he got to hang out with us. So he felt like my group of friends was his group of friends. But he did over the years, especially now, realize that, oh, I don't, I don't have anybody who calls me just to go hang out or wants to go to the movies with just me. Um, So I think one of the common things is people look at Stephen's life and they're like, Oh my gosh, he has a million friends. Everybody loves Stephen. I'm like, Mm -hmm. they do, but nobody really takes the time to really get to know him. It's more of like a surface thing Um, from a distance or something. Yeah. Like from a distance or just like a quick, like in an association. So like, Oh, we know the Kennedys, we know the Kennedy family. So, you know, we're good friends with Steven. I'm like, are you actually good friends with Steven or do you know us? And he's so friendly and kind Mm -hmm. that, um, it makes it easy to say that. But have you, have you really spent a lot of time getting to know Steven? Mm -hmm. Um, and there are some people who have, like he does have some good people in his life. It's just, um, I think that's a common misconception of, of that. And then the other Mm -hmm. thing I would say is, um, like he does a lot of like self-talking to like kind of regulate. So he talks out loud. And first of all, it's usually the cutest thing in the world. We actually listen to what he's talking about, because he has like the best imagination in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. And that kid
1: can just like talk forever um, to himself. But he kind of processes what we all process in our head out loud. Um, and I think that it's a, it's, it can be like kind of a nerve wracking thing for people out in the community. And he knows that he knows that that kind of scares people sometimes so you'll hear him talk like oh I'm I'm out in the world I gotta I'm gonna be quiet now and I'm gonna talk to people around me so just a common misconception I feel like people a lot of times think that that's like oh my god is he does he think somebody's in front of me he's talking to somebody should I be afraid of that Mm -hmm. and really he's just whatever we do in our head we talk to ourselves in our head all day long I'm like saying stuff to me all the time I just do it in my head right (laughs) and it just happens to come out of his mouth so
0: yeah yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. Cause I, I do think that probably there's all different levels of who's had experience and spent a lot of time with someone with down syndrome. So yeah,
1: absolutely. And that's like, it's, it's totally fine. Sometimes people are like, I'm sorry, I just don't know how to, I don't know how to interact. I'm like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. If you haven't spent a lot of time with somebody with down syndrome, it, you know, it might be uncomfortable for a little bit, but he's not uncomfortable at all. He's happy yes. to be anybody's friend. So
0: <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well, you were saying you, you did some work with the the day camps and, and everything else. Can you tell us a little bit more kind of about your kind of history with other jobs and educational goals and things like that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as I kind of um, went into undergrad, I was kind of thinking along the lines of, um, I know who I want to work with. I just don't know how, how I want to do it. So the more research I did, and and I did watch a lot of different therapies and things with Stephen. you know, OTs and PTs and speech had all come to the house for a lot of years up until then. So I kind of knew what was available. Um, I just didn't know what route I wanted to take. And the more I really looked into occupational therapy, the more I thought that might be a really good spot because I I thought, you know, after watching Stephen have all those therapies, occupational therapy was one that I felt made a really big difference in his life. Like I, I felt like it gave him some great skills and it really helped him be able to like function in the community and do yeah, well. That's huge. Yeah. So that's kind of what I was drawn towards. And throughout college, I kept doing this the summer camps and the nannying for kids with autism and things like that. I did. Um, and then I just went full speed ahead with OT because I thought, you know, that's that's what I know I could be good at and is helpful. And so I just like kind of mostly just chose it and just ran with it, mm-hmm. um, not really thinking a whole lot. And the more I got into it, the more I enjoyed it. So I just kept going. And so I did undergrad in psychology because it had just gone to the point where you couldn't get an undergrad in OT and practice. You had to do something else and then go to graduate. Okay. I was right on the cusp that time. So... I did psychology because I thought that would match really well. That was some, an advisor had told me it's a good prerequisite for going into OT. That yeah. all my prerequisites and things like that with the plan of going to OT school um, after undergrad. And then throughout undergraduate, I had spent actually a lot of time going to Uganda, Africa as well in the summers.
0: Oh, really? Um,
1: yeah. And I, I, I found an orphanage in Uganda, Africa that uh, is called Akisa Ministries. They're incredible. Um, Really? And it's uh, it's a children's home for kids with developmental disabilities. Um, And it seemed really unique. I started following them on Instagram, on Facebook, and started kind of communicating with them. Um, And then I finally reached out and asked if I could, like, come after undergraduate between – going to OT school in my head, I was going to go to undergrad and I was going to go there. And then I was going to go to graduate school. So reached out to them. They were like, absolutely. Let's interview you did the whole process, got accepted. And so then I went there um, for a few months right after graduation. Wow. Yeah. Which was so incredible. And honestly, if I hadn't run out of money, I might still be there.
0: <laughs> really? What did you like about
1: it so much? I love the Ugandan culture. I think I mean, it's just an incredible place. The people are so nice and genuine. And um, that orphanage, it's technically a children's home, is just the coolest place on the planet. I mean, they take in kids who are days away from death. And by the time, you know, they've been there for a few months, they're getting OT, speech, PT, they're getting fully new. Nut- like they get great nutrition, they're being taken to the doctor for things that, you know, they're getting wheelchairs and walkers so that they can actually function. They're not just laying in the dirt somewhere. I mean, it's oh, in a great wow. rehabilitative place. And they have even come through the years, they have created programs where, I mean, in Uganda, it's very common for a parent who has a kid with developmental disabilities to just kind of starve them because they can't, they can't, Put back into the family, they can't work, so they can't eat, basically, and they just don't know. They don't know what to do with them, so they just kind of stop feeding them, and often leads to death. But I think that motherly instinct, right before they're watching their baby die, and I think a lot of them just panicked, and they that's how most of the kids became came to Akisa is being found on the front porch. I think in a last ditch effort from a mom who's like, "I can't watch my baby die," and I know that you guys. work with kids like this. And so a lot of times you just open the gate in the morning and there would be a new kid. And then I, they, throughout the years, they have kind of developed into a safe place for moms to come way before then, like Mm. come to us. We're not going to take your baby from you. We want to give them therapies and food and doctor's appointments. And we want to help you keep them in your home, mother Mm. them, but with support. So it's a great place.
0: What? Say the name of it again, so it's called Akisa. It.
1: Yeah, it's E K I S A.
0: Akisa. Wow. Mm-hmm. How many
1: kids were there when you were there? I'm trying to think. When I was there, there was probably fifteen um, living at the children's home, and then they were just starting their community outreach program. So on certain days of the week, uh, like five or six more kids would come and get therapies, and moms would learn. Um, You know techniques and sign language and things like that while they were in therapy, which was
0: great. Wow, what an amazing Mm -hmm. experience! And talk about you probably being such a good fit to to be there. Clearly being so passionate, incredible.
1: Yeah, and that actually gave me a lot of opportunities to work with their occupational therapist there, Mm -hmm. which was really cool. Just kind of you know see how different culture and how what kind of techniques they were using and uh, how it could be helpful and.
0: Wow anything else that stands out from that experience I can only imagine you could like write a whole book probably well, but- <laughs> yeah
1: absolutely and they honestly if at that point they weren't doing international adoption because the whole point of the children's home was to eventually reunite them with their families mm-hmm. um, in the safest way uh, but if they had been doing a, a international adoption I'd probably have one or two by now <laughs> there was a, a little boy named Misach that I uh, took home with me in the evenings and like was really hard to leave for me. he was and I of course, like keep up with them on Instagram and all that, and he's like grown so much, and oh, you know wow. he they thought he might have to be in a wheelchair while I was there, and now he's walking with a little walker, and he's he's doing awesome, he's growing exponentially, and he's doing great there so.
0: Wow, I love that you can still see his progress and stay in touch. Yeah, so that's super meaningful. Mm-hmm. Oh, what an experience! Yeah, and, yeah, incredible. I'm gonna totally check it out when we're yes, done. Yes, definitely this. <laughs> do. They're great. Um, so then, so the, again, you ran out of money as part yes. of it. You, you came back here. What happened after that? I did. What well,
1: I, I ran out of money, and also there was the beginning of dating my now my now husband. So I'm glad I came back. It all worked out. But <laughs> yeah. um, so then I kind of came back, and I did uh, apply to graduate school right away. I applied to CSU, and I didn't get accepted. Um, so at that point, I, I still felt like, well, I just got out of undergrad. I'll just go get some more experience. It'll be fine. Lots of people don't get accepted right out of college. No big deal. Um, so I just kind of kept working in this field. I just, you know, my advisor said, just keep doing what you're doing. You haven't you haven't had a gap in your resume for from this at all yet. So just keep going, keep getting experience, keep getting hours and then apply again later. So, um, I worked at, uh, an elementary school in their special education program. I did case management for a while in Denver, um, which was really enjoyable. I actually loved case management, uh, some hard things to it, but I, I really did enjoy it. I learned a ton about the system, like the legal yeah. systems and the, you know, the whole, uh, insurance system and things like that, which was crazy helpful. Um, yeah, yeah, but, and then, you know, life kind of got away from me, Brady and I got married and then we moved and things just like kept rolling to the point where it was like, okay, I don't, I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't know where to apply. And then finally we kind of settled in here in Texas just this year. And I was like, okay, this, this feels good. This is where we're going to be. I'm going to go ahead and apply to occupational therapy school again. And at that point I had like, um, you know, retaken some classes to get better grades. And I, I felt like I was in a really good spot. I thought if I'm ever going to get in, it's going to be now. Like I yeah, have now's the time. Yeah, yeah this is it. Like I've gotten all the experience hours, all the, you know, shadowing hours I could possibly get retaking classes to get my GPA up. Like this is, this is it. If I'm going to get in. So yeah. I applied feeling super, super confident. Talked to advisors like, oh yes, you're going to get in. I'd love your resume. All good. Got the denial letter like a couple months later. And I just was like well, I'm like, (laughs) I was just kind of at a loss. I was like, I like
0: in shock. Like, what do you mean? (laughs) Yes.
1: I was completely in shock. And I felt like, I mean, I just felt like there's nothing else I can do. There's nothing else I can do other than just apply. I even asked my advisor, I was like, you think more hours of experience? They were like, I you got them all like you've been doing this for 15 years and so doing all the
0: things right yeah
1: so they suggested I could take some more classes and try to get my GPA over a 4.0 and some other things that I was like I I don't know so I think at that point it wasn't like I was like oh screw it I'm done at all it just Mm -hmm. was it was like a kind of a shock of like okay if you really want this how do we get there Mm -hmm. But I felt like I was almost like, have I been chasing something that like, how badly do I want it? And I was like, kind of like, I don't know if this is it really. Um, and then I also didn't really want to succumb to that because I felt a little bit like, Oh, I'm just giving up. Like, it's Mm going to look like I just quit, you know?
0: Yeah. So I fought that a little bit, um, for a while. Trying to sort out emotions too. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. More of like, okay, I don't want it to look like I'm quitting. But then at the same time, I'm like, well, I can't do this just, just to make it look like I'm not quitting. I don't right. know. So I was kind of in that weird emotional state for a couple of months. I felt like I just was not sure what step to take next. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, uh, had Brady had taken me out on a little date just to be like, you just enjoy this weekend. Yeah. He had been gone for a longer trip. So he kind of took me out and we went to this little winery over here and we just kind of like, we're talking about it. And Talking about what I could do next, what steps I could take to bolster my application, and then I just started being like, I wonder. I just started letting myself feel like feel other things out, and so then I just kind of thought, what What's the What's the reason I want to do OT? And I just started thinking of like, okay, I want to be, I want to do something unique for this population that I so deeply have a passion for, mm-hmm. um, and then I was like you know, OTs are incredible with, I love what they do. They're very, very needed, very, very useful. I just was like, is there a gap that I'm, that I could fill with what I, the Mm -hmm. knowledge and experience I have and what I see in Steven's life, where's the gap? Um, And I really felt like feeling like a really useful, valued part of a community was kind of where his gap was. Like he um, has a job, you know, and he likes it. Uh, but I feel like those, the jobs that Steven can get are the jobs that Steve, people say, here, you can do this. Not what mm. would you like to do? Let's help uh, you get there.
0: So I kind of you. felt like, yeah, I felt like and the what gap. A distinction, right. It's- yeah. It's
1: a big difference. Cause nobody says to us, here is the job that you get to do. This is the right. one. And us, for people with disabilities, it's oftentimes bagging groceries mm-hmm. or getting carts and, or cleaning tables. Mm -hmm. not serving at a restaurant cleaning tables not checking out people at a grocery store it's bagging you know so I thought that gap was like you know Stephen has so many skills and so much to bring to the world Mm -hmm. that nobody gets to see because he's handed this one opportunity and they say this is what you can do so I kind of was like okay how do I be a part of changing that how do we how do I make not only Stephen but other people with disabilities that I care so much about get to be a functional valued member of their community while getting to do what they
0: want to do. Um, I mean, I just kind of got like chills and emotional when you said that, did, did it come like all in that night you were out with having wine with your husband or was it kind of from that point you were letting yourself consider things and sort of piecing this all together? I, I think a little bit of both. I think I was finally allowing
1: myself to envision a world that I didn't go to OT school Mm -hmm. and that allowed it to kind of flow. And I feel like I always kind of had that. I wanted to do something unique feeling, Mm -hmm. but I hadn't really let myself see what that could be. I also am like, I like structure a lot. So I'm like, I I didn't want to have to reinvent the wheel. I just went like, you know, you take the steps to go to OT school and then you have an OT degree Mm -hmm. and then then you work with people in OT and it just felt very, Yeah. yeah. Felt very laid out, Mm -hmm. and so allowing myself to be like, okay, there's a gap I want to fill. I don't know how to do it, and it may be really unique. Felt a little bit nerve wracking to me, and still does. Every day I wake up, I'm like, what am I doing? What what is next? (laughs) But I felt like that night specifically, especially his reaction to it. I I kind of half expected him to be like, no, 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 you can't quit. You got to keep going. You love OT, and he didn't. He just kind of was like, well that's, I mean, what do you think that could look like? It kind of allowed me to like talk it out, which was helpful for me. And then all of a sudden I just was like, I don't know, you know, Steven loves to like, you know, be in different parts of the community and chat with people like over coffee and stuff. And it just kind of started to roll to the point where I was like, what if we did like a coffee shop, you know, where, I mean, Steven would love to work in a coffee shop. He would love that. And then I just kind of, it just kind of rolled from there. And yeah. So I think that night was wow. a defining moment, but.
0: Wow. So, so then kind of the idea was born. Um, and then comes the action step, right? So what did, what did you start? Like, I can see my, like, I can see like, that's such an amazing idea, but then being like, well, what's step one? Like, I don't know. What did right. you do?
1: Well, and I, even that night I was like, Oh my God, that would be so cool. I could open like a mobile coffee shop. I could employ people with developmental disabilities and we can have like little events where they come, and you know we can have like n- nights where they come and hang out and make friends and have community. And then I just kind of was like, well, that would be that would be cool. And then I was like, well, how would we even start doing that? So I even considered like, do we do nonprofit? Do we go the LLC route? I just didn't, didn't know at all. And then I just started Googling things, honestly, as as we do when we don't oh, know how Google. to do something. yeah, <laughs> I started Googling, I don't know, is it better to create like a little, a little business or a nonprofit? The more I kind of went through it, the more I was like, oh, this is definitely a nonprofit idea. Mm-hmm. And then I just kind of Googled how to start a nonprofit. <laughs> and I just started taking one step at a time. Before I knew it, I was like filling out paperwork. I we had sat and you know talked about what we would call it and what we really could get going. And it all just felt very like, what a cool idea. And then all of a sudden I was like drawing little logos on my free time. And then I finally just like went to Brady and I was like, I think I'm gonna like just register it as a nonprofit and see what Texas says. And then they just gave me the paperwork that was like, okay, you're registered. And I literally just started going from there. And I, I still, like I said, every day I wake up and I'm like, now what? The the best part about it is like, I, I have never felt more like I was in the center of what God had asked me to do until now, because it just has been flowing. Like people have been coming mm-hmm. out of the woodworks, like, I can I help you with this. Can I show you how to do this? Can I support you in this way? To the point where I'm not, I don't really have to search things out as often as I thought I would, because people are just, I mean, I had a friend who came and was like, I do great graphic design work. I'd love to make your logo. Can I? And I was like, Okay, hey, well we're not really a thing yet, but I'd love I'd love to see what it would look like as a logo. She made me some incredible logos and mm. somebody came out of the woodwork and was like, "Hey, can I help you start a uh, GoFundMe so you can start getting some funding? Hey, can you come have a little event here where Stephen can meet people?" It just wow. It's been incredible.
0: Wow. Yeah, talk about just being in the flow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. So where do where did tell us where's co- what is coffee and kindness like now? Okay. Hasn't blossomed into it.
1: So far, we actually have like a little event tomorrow morning as well at a fitness studio who asked us to come and you know sell some cups and things like that. But we are,
0: and they asked you. Yeah, (laughs) I was so
1: excited. So um, we are still in the fundraising phase. We are full blown registered nonprofit with a tax ID in Texas, and our five hundred one c three paperwork to be tax deductible is in with the IRS, which they say can take four weeks to seven months and we're somewhere in the middle. there. So hopefully any, any day now we'll get paperwork back, but we're, so we're waiting on that tax deductible status. Um, but as of now, um, we are a Texas nonprofit and we are working on getting, we'll, we'll need about 20,000 to, to purchase the truck. Um, and the goal is to purchase that truck this fall. And Uh, and
0: say more about the truck. Is it can you save more? Yeah, absolutely. So we're, I'm actually
1: working with a couple different Texas-based companies. We're gonna we're gonna buy a trailer, um, and then have somebody refurbish it for us and put all the equipment in it that we need and make the outside look how we want it and all that stuff. So I'm I'm getting some quotes and some ideas from people uh, here in Texas for what that could look like and how much it will be and things like that. And the idea is it will we will be. Um, you know, in the same spot during the weeks and then at hopefully events and things like that on the weekends. Um, so we're working on getting like a rendering, a real good picture of what the truck's going to look like, which will be really fun because we'll be able to put that online and people can feel kind of invested and see what see what they're giving towards. Um, so that will be super exciting when we get that um, kind of finalized about what it's going to look like and the exact pricing. So we think... Uh, we'll probably purchase that this fall. And the goal is to refurbish it over the winter and be open by next spring. If everything
0: as planned.
1: Is it fun? It's so fun. Like so fun. It's a lot of work. I am still, uh, I do still have a full-time job and I do fitness instructing and it's gotten to the point where I'm like, Oh, this is, this is a lot, but it's, it's so enjoyable for me that I, I, it's, it's really okay. And we, we have been like, at first I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm, getting some donations, all these things. And I was like, Oh, what? I wonder if we could sell some things. And, you know, we started putting like t-shirts and sweatshirts online. I started selling these cups with these smiley faces on them and people have been super receptive to it. So I just, you know, started like, the fitness studio that I work at was like, you could come sit a table up out here and, you know, give people information on what you guys are doing, what your goal is and sell some of your gear. So we started doing that. And then another fitness uh, studio reached out and asked if we could come there and it just, yeah, it's been kind of rolling and.
0: Wow. It's so, I mean, what is, I mean, you're, what if you could, I mean, I guess, let me ask you, what do you, I mean, you're going to get this car, this cart up and running. You're going to be able to, to give more opportunities for employment. Are there other ideas of where this could go from here? Or is it almost hard? Like you're trying to be in that flow state and just see where it, it can naturally evolve.
1: Yeah. Well, I think definitely like watching it naturally evolve is probably the best place for me to be, but the more receptive people have been to this and how quickly it's flowing is it's kind of tempting to not be like, oh my gosh, this could be really great. I mean, I met with somebody the other day. She goes, well, where's your second location going to be? I'm like, well, no, I'm like, (laughs) you need the Colorado location. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, wow, that's so many steps ahead. But, um, really as I, as we started thinking about it, I'm like, okay, you know, we could be pulling in revenue to go back into this nonprofit and then use for other things. And um, there are so many like continued education programs that Steven has looked into to be part of that are just really, really expensive. It's it's a pricey, it's a pricey thing to go do just like colleges for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it usually more, more expenses involved just because they sometimes need extra care, extra support, extra, Stuff so there's a lot of programs that Stephen has really looked into going to and they're just very expensive. So I think one of the ideas that we would love to do in the future is to get enough revenue into this nonprofit and be able to put it back into scholarships for, you know, people who are coming out of high school or want to go to some educational training um, at either a university or a different program that has stuff specialized for people with disabilities, uh, so they could go pee, be a part of that and and learn, you know, if, if working on a coffee truck is not what they want to do and they want to do hospitality or they want to do something else, um, kind of feeding it back into scholarships that would help them be able to pursue that.
0: And that's just further the, um, idea of further opening up employment opportunities and education. Is that, is that kind of the mission? Um, I mean, did we kind of already go over the mission when you had, when I introduced you or is there more to that that'd be helpful to share?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think just our mission statement, starting with that, uh, breaking the stigma around people with developmental disabilities, I think that's really is the first step. And then, you know, we go on to, say, uh, through employment opportunities. I think a lot of it is, you know, that stigma that's around. And that's, that's why they don't get a lot of the jobs that they may be really great at. They don't get the opportunity to do because there is a stigma of, oh, they might not be able to work as hard or as long or they might need extra help which can be scary for an employer um so kind of like breaking that stigma through this is really our main main goal um and i think that can really really can be reached through this just because not only i mean we'll be the one employing them so it's not like we're giving them jobs in the community but being in the community and showing people like they i mean steven is a fully functioning great worker like honestly he's a better worker than i am sometimes he he's committed he's on time he cares about what he's doing you know i mean there's he has, he's such a valuable part of a community and it'll be a good chance for people to see that that's the case so um and be able to like interact with them in a way that you they maybe wouldn't get a chance to yeah uh, yeah, so that I really think is the main mission and and hopefully it evolves to, you know, to more things as we go. But
0: Oh, so it's such an amazing idea. And I think about how cool it'll be to see. I mean, I have to think the numbers are just going to grow. And I know it's you probably don't want to, you know you're just in the now and yeah and each next thing but i think about if you had a location here or really anywhere else and and there's so many great coffee places but mm-hmm. to feel like if you're already going to get coffee why not get it somewhere that has this larger mission it's right. amazing and and the word that i keep like i've never met steven i've seen his pictures on instagram what you <laughs> posted but he just seems like such a joyful person like that's the word the sense of him that i mm-hmm. get again not meeting him in person. But also if you're going to spend your time and money somewhere, I'd want to be around someone like that. Right.
1: Exactly. And that's, that's kind of where the name came from too, is, um, like Steven just embodies kindness. Like he just is super kind to everybody. Like honestly, to people who aren't super kind to him, he would respond with kindness. He just is super genuinely kind. So
0: what does he think about this idea and what you're doing? Oh my gosh. He's all about it. he, (laughs) He loves to be
1: the center of attention, which I probably caused people are always like, (laughs) he thinks he's the best thing ever, because you tell him he's the best thing ever 100 times a day. Um, So he, of course, loves it. And he actually came to visit for our first um, little event. I don't even know if it was considered technically an event. But when we went to that fitness place, and that we handed out information about who we were and got some donations and sold some products, he got to be part of that. So he came and stayed with Brady and I and Mm -hmm. um, I think that was the first time he kind of like really understood what it was because we had talked about it a bunch, but he um, kind of was like, oh, okay, it's going to be a coffee truck. And and he kept saying like, you know, self-talk, like talking himself through it. And I would hear him in the living room before and he would go, oh yeah, we're going to open this coffee truck and it's going to help people like me with down syndrome, like me with down syndrome. And so he just, I think that was a good opportunity for him to kind of see what, what we really were doing Mm -hmm. um, and make it kind of real to him. And so he's all about it. And he wears this little be kind hat that we sell on our website all the time. And he says, Be kindness. <laughs> Tells everybody, Just Be kindness.
0: I so. love that. So, where, I mean, so you guys are on Instagram at Coffee and Kindness, um, but where can people find and buy some of your merch you're talking about or even make yeah. a donation if they're interested? Yeah.
1: So we have a website, it's coffeekindness.org. So just without the and, coffeekindness.org. Um, and there's you know, there's all of our products on there that you can purchase. And then there's a link for donations as well. And there's a little bit of information and, um, I try to keep it as updated as possible so that, you know, when we have a real good picture of the truck, that'll be on there. I try to keep it really updated with what your current donations are going to, like what is the next step for us? What, what are your donations, um, headed towards, uh, yeah. So,
0: wow. So check it out. I mean, mm-hmm. oh, it's such an amazing idea. And I, that idea of, I mean, I, this is, this, this could shift so much and, and you're clearly having fun doing it and, and it's so meaningful. I mean, it I just can't think of much else better. I yeah. Mean, it, amazing.
1: <laughs> it has been very fun and I'm, I'm very hopeful for what it will, uh, what it will continue to be. And I think so far God's really blessed it. And um, hopefully it continues to grow and we'll just keep stepping one foot in front of the other.
0: Yay. Well, we can't, maybe we'll have to have you back to give updates. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, thank you so much for doing this. Is there any, any last thoughts just from what we talked about? No, I mean, uh, thank you so much for having me. This has been
1: awesome again. Like I just, it was perfect that you, you know, had, found us and, uh, asked me to do this. I got so excited about it and I'm just happy to get, get it spreading
0: out there more, more people. Yeah. Well, let's spread it. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, thanks Becca.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, Michelle.
0: Thanks so much for listening. Please leave a review and share with a friend. And if you're enthusiastic about something and want to share it, please contact me at Michelle at enthusiasm diaries.com.